he was really my spiritual father and it really hurt and it caused a lot of divisions but i was like you know this is what this is what the scripture says but this is what this is what christianity is saying and these things are not adding up he started telling us that girls you need to you need to dress for your future husbands you shouldn't be dressing for anyone else you and i'm sitting there <laughs> as a 10 year old going i'm 10 why am i wor- why should i be worried about how i'm dressing the openness and sharing and the honesty and how difficult that is because you it, it can be used against you and when that happens you know a, a time or or maybe two if you'll even after the first time will open yourself up again it it's uh it's really painful and it, and it becomes you feel really isolated come over me for this guy and it, it, just his facial expressions looking around like i don't belong here mm. and that made me feel so sad and i was just like i don't belong here either then so pervasive in that culture of like this this idea of american exceptionalism and and like we have to have this flag and we have to be like if if you aren't for the war if you aren't for whatever then you're not really a christian and i'm like how does that fit with a cross um and and that i think kind of shattered the like the, the armor already had a lot of cheeks yeah. But that kind of like was the final blow to be like, okay, I don't know that this is true. And I'm kind of starting to believe that it's not. For the most part, I kept those questions to myself um, because I started to get this feeling um, as much as I loved my church, as much as I loved um, the people there, as much as I felt like this strong sense of belonging, I, I, I really did not feel like it was an okay place to ask really difficult questions. But I I have always thought that that's so not toxic, but like unhealthy because it's teaching us how to be clever and like sneaky with things that we're doing. The Scott Stebbin Podcast presents a Deconstructing Faith series where we look at people's stories of what was built, what was lost, and what was found in between. Episode 7, Veronica Wiley. Hey everybody and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Scott here and guys, thank you so much for been listening to this new series of we've, I've been doing with the Deconstruction Faith. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying this. Hopefully this has been helping you uh, be able to have the openness to share your own story, maybe even process some of the stuff, knowing that there's other people who are in your same shoes who are probably asking the same questions or dealing with the same things that are kind of going to the point where they're really reconstructing and in kind of figuring out where their faith development lies. And joining me today is uh, Veronica Wiley, uh, all the way out in California. So Veronica, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. And can I just say that 
hearing you call yourself Scott Stedman is super weird for me. <laughs> yeah. Hello, You're welcome. Vicious I'm vicious. vicious. I'm vicious grandma. Welcome to the man. Maybe maybe I'll have more viewers if I actually change it to the vicious grandma <laughs> podcast. They're like, what's this vicious? Gra-? I think it's an old, and then they get disappointed. It's actually just a guy talking yeah. <laughs> instead of an old woman. <laughs> Everyone's wanting like some gray haired lady with scissors running around. <laughs> You're listening to like rancid and like punk oh rock God. music. <laughs> so uh, Veronica, for those of you, for, so for those who may not know who you are, can you give us a quick introduction of who you are and, and like what you're doing? Okay. Well, um, I, so my name is Veronica. Uh, I am an actress in LA. Um, I know Vicious. His name is Vicious, everybody. It's not Scott. <laughs> Vicious. Uh, I know him from our uh, college years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that uh, I'm not sure exactly how much uh, information yeah. you'd like. Well, is there any? Know. Is there anything that you like? What stuff have you been in that people might recognize you in? Oh. Or yeah, um, I've done a few episodes of Days of Our Lives. I did an episode of SWAT. The episode is called Bad Cop. If you'd like to check it out, I also do um, voiceover. Um, I recently got into audiobooks, so um, there's an audiobook that I narrated that was released a couple months ago called "A Quiet Revolution: The Cassidy Chronicles, Volume Four" by Adam Gaffin. Hmm. Um, and then I'm currently working on volume five of that, which is called Triumph's Ashes, which should be out in mid-October. All right. Cool. Awesome. Various indie films. Various indie films. Like the Conway Curve, which I've seen that like twice the already. Curve. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Actually, I really yeah, enjoyed I'm watching actually, that film. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's super family friendly and, and fun. So um Oh, and, and, and I'm a lot like that character. So and you were also I don't know in, if you noticed that. <laughs> yeah. And I also noticed you were also in, what was it called? Adventures in Online Dating? Oh, yeah. I wrote and produced and directed that. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that, I too. I watched it. that on, what was it? Sika TV? It was, it was on like Sika on, TV. Yes. Yeah. I think it's still up there, too. Um, we were always hoping to get funding for a second season, but unfortunately, that didn't come through. So nah. it's just the one season. Although, if anyone would like to fund it, I do have the second and third seasons written. <laughs> hey, there we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, so Veronica, talk a little bit about uh, growing up and kind of like your earlier faith development. Like, did you actually grow up in the church? Were you kind of distant from the church? Like, kind of talk a little bit about kind of your early days in your faith development. Sure. Okay. Um, I, so my mother was married before uh, meeting my dad. Um, so I had a sister who was significantly older than I. And uh, she was uh, not a good teenager. And so uh, when I was very, very young, my parents decided that they were going to uh, put me and my brother in like church daycare um, so that we would get some sort of like moral instruction that apparently my sister had been lacking. Mm. They themselves didn't go to church. They would drop us off and then come pick us back up after it was (laughs) over. Um, and then eventually they started going to church too and, and, and converted. And, um, so I was actually, I don't remember not going to church. I was young enough when they put me in that I basically grew up in the church. And I, I actually went to a private Christian school that was also housed in the same building as the church. So 
I pretty much, I was there, like if I wasn't sleeping or playing softball, I was in that building. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, it was a Southern Baptist church and school. So it was very evangelical, very, um, you know, this is the truth and the Bible is law and dancing leads to sex and sex leads to hell and, you know, <laughs> yeah, all sorts of stuff. Um, so yeah, like I, like Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, then Monday through Friday for school and then Wednesday night for choir practice. And because I was involved in, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I was a cheerleader. Uh, so like, I also had practice after schools five days a week from three to five and then, you know, basketball games. I was in that building all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was my religious upbringing. Yeah, and it, it and almost sounds like, like- yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. oh, no, no, no. It almost sounds like just being constantly in an environment from the time you're little to the time you graduated, just constantly being in an environment or a culture that was just very, like you say, evangelical, very Christian, mm-hmm. Christianese in some ways, and almost like almost conservative Christian, I would assume. I don't think it's a very progressive church. No, super conservative. And I don't think the word inundated would be an exaggeration. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it was like sun up to sundown. Like I like to the point where I was taught that the reason that there are no more dinosaurs is because they didn't make it on the ark. Okay. Right? Like, All right. They didn't make it on the ark. Yeah, like I was taught the whole like, you know, Earth was created. And this was in my science class. Taught that Earth was mm-hmm. created six thousand years ago. Um, that humans and dinosaurs coexisted. Well, and in some ways, that's better because there's other places you say that dinosaurs don't exist. It's like, well, how do you explain these yeah. big gigantic bones? So I know, right? At least some way you're like, oh, they're actually acknowledging it. So at least something. I know. <laughs> I love the beginning. I love the beginning of the first episode of Good Omens. Have you ever seen Good Omens? I've have seen the first episode. I haven't watched the rest of it yet. Oh, I got so I got I have to I have to catch up with a lot of shows. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. Um, I especially love like the actual underlying message behind it. I actually think it's really good theology. Um, <laughs> but um the at the beginning of the of the pilot where they said like francis mcdormand as god is explaining that dinosaurs were just a massive cosmic joke put there to confuse paleontologists <laughs> I, I love it so much <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny that's funny yeah so um so i guess like when i think about you know just the environment you're in i'm sure there's a lot of theology that did you feel like you were someone who kind of felt like this theology was kind of like you were a sponge and you absorbed a lot of this theology or was it something that you were always like questioning and fighting against being um, in that high school and being in that church environment? Well, I moved when I was 12. So that's when I stopped being in that um, constant churchy environment. Mm, Okay. Uh, I went to public school when I moved to Indiana. Mm. Um, And you know, it's, it's weird. And I'm not actually like, I know that, you know, we were talking and, and you use the word deconstruction and, and I, you know, I just, I'm not sure that actually applies to me specifically because Mm -hmm. I never was the kind of person who could just 
believe without questioning. Even I remember yeah. at eight trying to apply logic to the Bible, mm-hmm. like in the things that I was being taught as just truth. Yeah. And this was even before I started like learning that other people believed different things. Like I hadn't ever heard of evolution at this point. Yeah. I hadn't, you know, in my, in my worldview, it was like, there were Jewish people mm-hmm. and then there were Christians and everyone else. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I didn't have a, a, a real understanding of what people outside of my very limited gaze yeah yeah and and i think in some ways that's interesting too because if you know if you're talking about from you know basically birth to by the time you moved to indiana which would have been around 12 i'm assuming um that would be i mean you're in a bubble and it's like okay there's jewish people and there's christian people and then there's other people that are outside of those bubbles and it's like well who are these people and what what do they do and, and what do they believe and you know, or, and, and I think that's very interesting. So, so kind of, so when you went to Indiana and you're going to public school, how was, how was the church different then? Was it still, were you still going to a Baptist church? Were you not going to church after you moved to Indiana? Like kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, we, um, so that was a long process because um, the church that I went to in Houston was the only church my parents had ever gone to. My dad didn't grow up Christian at all. My dad grew up spiritualist. Like he went to mediums and stuff in South Africa. Mm. Um, and uh, which I find super fascinating. I would love to know more about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does not want to talk about it. It's so funny. He actually, side note, published a memoir, which is my dad's had the most interesting life and he published the most boring memoir in the history of memoirs. (laughs) I'm like, you don't even talk about the interesting things, but you have like two pages on how to play marbles. What is wrong with you? Um, (laughs) Well, some people might want to know how to play marbles because that's that's a fad that's kind of out of circulation now. I don't know too many people who are marble players anymore. <laughs> yeah, but who gives a fuck though? Is the question. <laughs> like anyway, um, yeah, so 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 yeah, I had this like this weird dichotomy growing up anyway, where I was like, this is my entire world. Literally, I don't have anything outside other than like my softball practice. Like <laughs> that was literally the only thing I did that wasn't in some way related to the Southern Baptist church. Um, and yet I was also this person who had to try to figure things out logically and didn't like had moments of like, is this really true? Like, okay, let's, let me reconvince myself that this is true. Is this really true? You know? And like, like I said, as young as I rem- the first time I remember having this thought was when I was eight and then we moved to Indiana um and finding a church in indiana was a very long and involved process um we started by going to the baptist churches but um none of them i I don't know how else to explain this but none of them felt right if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so we ended up at this like non-denominational slightly more progressive church um and yeah their worship songs sounded like rock songs pop songs not really rock songs um (laughs) instead of hymns that's basically that's the extent of the progressivism um 
but yeah, so that, so that's where we, that's where we ended up, but I was going to public school at the time. Mm -hmm. So I was at least, you know, introduced to people who, who thought a different way. Yeah. And yeah. And so what kind of led you to go into, like you said earlier, you know, me from our college days over at Anderson university, which is a private Christian school. What led you to come into a Christian school or a private Christian school for that matter? Um, I still was very much involved in the church, like, and, and I also think it, you know, part of this too is really important is that I had no friends in Texas, like none. Mm. Um, I was the weird kid that everyone bullied. Um, it, it, it was, yeah, shockingly bad. Um, and then I moved to Indiana and I had friends. I, I made friends and um, a lot of them were through the church. So I, for the first time, really had this sense of belonging to a community. Hmm. Um, and I think that that I was very devoted to my church in Indiana. And I think a lot of that was that first like feeling of inclusion. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of curious if maybe that's, and maybe not necessarily necessarily that your parents may have been thinking about you, but I want to know if that was kind of a thing, like it didn't feel right because, you know, they probably wanted to find a place where, you know, they felt like they could connect to community, but can our children connect to this community as well? Yeah. 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 I'm sure like I, well, I know that actually for a fact, I said, I'm sure I, I know for a fact that they were because we discussed the churches that we visited after visiting them. Hmm. And we actually went for a, a short while to a different, I don't remember what church in Columbus, Indiana, that we went to for a couple of months, but we did, and we tried to make that one work, but we still, like, it wasn't until we found the Community Church of Columbus that we, like, finally found, like, a church home. Yeah. Ah, great. So, so what, so, sense of community, and you're still really involved in the church, and then you decide to come to a private Christian college. So yes. what, what, so what made Anderson kind of that, I don't know, that radar in your mind and what was kind of being on that campus and in that environment? How did that, how did that kind of shape you in, in certain ways with your faith? Um, well, as you know, it's a beautiful campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was definitely a part of the, the appeal of it, but also um, I've always been a really cerebral person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Christian colleges I checked out um, weren't all that scholarly, hmm. in my in my opinion. Um, and gr- this is my opinion as an eighteen year old. So take that with a grain of salt. Besides <laughs> Texas, um, but like I I didn't I didn't know what I wanted. Well, let me let me backtrack. I did know what I wanted to do. I but I wanted to be an actor my entire life. Um, I've literally never really wanted to do anything else. Um, I got discouraged um, by a person in authority. Um, And so when I applied to college, I wanted to make sure that I, um, I I actually, I entered Anderson University as a Spanish major, not as a theater major. Mm. Um, Because I was going to do something with international something like missions or like relief efforts or something uh, but I couldn't I just couldn't stay away from the theater and you know walking into a theater felt like home and I couldn't stop 
going. So I ended up <laughs> a theater major yeah. on top of everything else. Um, yeah. So, so part of, part of my decision to go to AU was that they had a strong foreign language department. Um, and that's honestly, that's, that was the difference between that university and, and a different one that I may have chosen if, you know, if AU didn't have that great program. Oh, wow. So really it was foreign language. And then you decided to think if, correct me if I'm wrong, you graduated with a degree in not only Spanish, but also theater. I want to say there's a third one in English. Yeah. I think you had three majors that you graduated with. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm a very indecisive person. (laughs) I was also like two credits away from a creative writing minor. (laughs) Ooh, man. It would have required me staying an extra semester and I was already like four and a half in and I'm like, no. I'm out. Get (laughs) me out of here. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) so very, so it was a lot of academics that kind of brought you to Anderson and kind of what was, what was the culture like just, you know, staying on campus because I think you stayed on campus and then you probably lived off campus probably the last couple of your years yeah I was on I was on campus as a freshman obviously and then um I was in a dorm and then I was my sophomore and junior years I was in one of the on-campus apartments um and then I moved off campus for both of my senior years (laughs) (laughs) um I mean the I uh I really enjoyed the the campus atmosphere at AU actually. Um, when I first got there, I was still very enamored of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't know, I think the fresh, you know, like I'm, I'm very close with my mom. Um, and so like freshman year was a little hard for me to be away from her, but like I, once I got honestly you know what it was getting into the theater really was what tipped the scale for me in being and feeling welcomed and feeling like I belonged there yeah and, and I would say Maybe that would probably be the scouty for casting me and much yeah. about nothing because yeah <laughs> well, and I think I would okay. have to say my AU experience it was also being in the theater because I think yeah. um I still I was in the same way I, I when I showed up I was going to do secondary education theater and then also have a journalism minor which I hate writing so I don't know why I thought that was a good idea <laughs> what made you decide that <laughs> because I was real because I was I did stuff for the school newspaper in high for, school oh, and I really oh. enjoyed it and I really enjoyed doing that and plus I never proof I never like proofread any of the stuff I wrote there was someone else who always did it so I would just write Uh, them and they clean it up for me so then it's like oh I have to clean up my own crap oh okay (laughs) but um you know if you would have paid me I would have done that for you oh who knows maybe I might (laughs) still when I start writing my dissertation since I'm going back for my doctorate now (laughs) well hey just putting it out there I do tutor so all right Uh, (laughs) we'll we'll talk later about yeah um, yeah but I can remember because I remember being in the dorms and I had a roommate and my roommate was cool and had a yeah. bunch of, but I was also in Smith's a lot of football guys. So half the time they were hardly never there in the mm. fall. So I could, I can remember walking into the theater department and just talking with people. And I think, 
And it was, it was Alyssa Gowdy too, because she goes, yeah. Oh, what's your name? I go, Oh, you know, my name is Scott. And this was probably acting for everyone. Like the very first theater class yeah. I was taking. And I go, but I go by a different name. And she's like, Oh, what different name do you go by? <laughs> I said, You're like, vicious. And I said, <laughs> vicious, which is short for vicious grandma. She looks at me and goes, you're going to get along well. Here. <laughs> and that really broke the ice. And I was like, oh all right, God, cool. I made the right decision. Oh yeah. Um, I have a similar, not a sim. it's not nearly as cool as that story, but I do have, uh, cause for anyone who doesn't know the theater department at Anderson university, everyone goes by a nickname. No one goes by their real names. Yeah. Um, and it, it was really funny because during much do about nothing, everyone was like, oh man, we need to think of a nickname for you, but you're not a Ronnie, which is funny because I went by Ronnie in high school. Mm. Um, but then uh, at the very, very end, uh, Emily Barlow, I don't know if you remember her. Yes. But she was like, mm-hmm. I came up with a perfect nickname for you. I'm like, what is it? And she's like, V. And I started laughing because I've literally been called V by someone in my life since birth. <laughs> and she was so proud of herself for coming up with this perfect nickname. Like, all on her own and I was like oh honey everyone that, and you are totally welcome to do so as well <laughs> yeah all right so oh, no. so just kind of hearing your story you know pretty much grew up in the church mostly conservative yeah. until about yeah. you know 12 and then kind of was more in a I guess progressive because they played you know poppy music or modern yeah. music we would like to call it went to and a private wasn't forbidden yeah <laughs> dancing wasn't forbidden i'm not even kidding vicious like that was actually a thing like my like in southern baptist you cannot dance that's not allowed yeah i i i was in the nazarene tradition and that was the same thing oh, until really? we went to i was in nazarene tradition till first grade and then we yeah. left the church then and came back and yeah so we went somewhere where we can dance now <laughs> actually was encouraged <laughs> changes your life when you're it allowed does. to let it, that exuberance out yeah <laughs> if you're bad at it like me and I, have a, and I have a funny story to share about dancing after we close out before okay. you go so go to a private christian university pretty much your whole trajectory in life the church or christianity has always been kind of a a part of you so when you get to the point where you're finally graduated and you're trying to do your thing, trying to live your life. When did you start to notice kind of, and I think you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, you're always asking questions, but when did you really start to see some of the bigger cracks coming in with kind of how you viewed religion, Christianity, your faith, and, and kind of how that corresponded to, you know, that sense of community that you talked about that you really enjoyed being in Indiana. At AU actually. Mm, okay. Um, I, in the Bible classes, um, Cause it was the first time I, I thought I knew the Bible really, really well. Um, you know, every school day I had Bible class. We had to memorize Bible verses out of the King James version of the Bible, which is why I understand Shakespeare so well. So and I'm horrible specific- and I'm horrible at Shakespeare. Cause I never read out of the KJV. <laughs> there you go. See, and this, like this, the only good thing that came out of that school. And that <laughs> that's why I was never in any Shakespeare productions. <laughs> man i get shakespeare i get him super well um but yeah so so like um so yeah i i go i get to au i think i know the bible super well and then i'm learning all these things about you know the origins of the bible and Mm. like who really wrote it and you know because i grew up with the whole like traditional thing like moses wrote the first five books and it was you know 
inspired by God. And then, you know, I'm learning at, at AU that in reality, no, the, the Jews wrote the first five books thousands of years later when they were enslaved in, in Babylon. And then I'm also learning that, you know, the, the gospels weren't written by the people we think they were written by. They, you know, were mm -hmm. inspired by sources that were written hundreds of years after Jesus died. And I'm now starting to see like all of these, like, this is not what I was taught, but, but this is historically like, like proven like this, there's evidence for this. Yeah. Um, and also I took this, um, and, and at the same time, as I'm like taking these classes, like shit's going down in my home church in Columbus. Like mm. there are scandals that happened right around the same time. Wow. And, um, this, I, I believe if I'm not, if I'm not misremembering and I, I very well maybe, but I believe this is when the Westboro Baptist church started getting like really vociferous. Mm. Um, and so I'm like seeing how they're presenting themselves and other christians to the world and i'm seeing like how people are being treated and like there i don't know if you remember there was this forum that like everybody on campus could get onto this forum and like just talk oh yeah like, i read it was like a chat room it was it was a chat forum because i used to yeah. post all my like stupid videos on there too called the men's room and it was like me eating like ketchup <laughs> oh my god why didn't i ever see those i always saw like the like the really like kind of disturbing things like oh <laughs> like i'm not being treated the same as everyone else because i'm a girl that kind of stuff um, oh wow yeah and yeah and like also like we were well this is a whole separate thing about sexism and misogyny and mm -hmm. you know, the inherent systemic oppression of women that's still happening all over the world so i don't need to get into that yeah in particular <laughs> podcast but <laughs> Maybe another episode you know, we'll you, get into it. <laughs> yeah, but you maybe expect a Christian campus to be better about it, and it absolutely is not. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say that. Um, but then, like, you know, I'm I'm learning I'm learning about how people see Christians, and so the, my first real step into deconstruction is like, okay, I still believe this stuff, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to call myself Christian. Yeah, I'm just going to say I am a believer in Jesus. Um, and then I, and then I, I think this was more laziness than anything else. I stopped going to church, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, no one was waking me up and forcing me to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, touché, touché. <laughs> I, um, but I was still going to, cause I, cause we had chapel twice mm -hmm. a week at, at AU. So I was still going to that. And so I was like, well, this kind of counts. Um, and then I, just like all the things that I was seeing in the media and and in my own like home church and then like corresponding with the fact that I'm learning that I've kind of been lied to my whole life about how hmm. this came about to you know to exist and then I took this class called Christology which oh is, yes <laughs> yeah so and that's when I learned oh I mean, three of the four gospels kind of didn't ever really say Jesus was God. It was only this one. Yeah. John's gospel, because it was a high yeah. Christology and yeah, Mark, um, Luke, Matthew and Mark were all a low Christology, which focused more on the humanness of Jesus. Exactly. And so 
that kind of blew my mind when I was like, wait a second, 75% of the part that talks about the guy that I'm supposed to, to believe in doesn't even necessarily believe that he's divine. And also I've just always kind of hated Paul because he's so misogynistic. (laughs) Well, I have a, I have a debate about that, but that's, but that's my opinion. I don't necessarily think that, but I I see how people can read misquote Paul very, very easily. And even Peter too, for even Peter too, for that matter. I believe that. Um, Mm -hmm. But so I never really, so most, you know, most of my, my real core belief was very much centered on the gospels. And then now I'm finding out that 75% of them don't agree with what I've been taught. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that I think kind of shattered the, like the the armor already had a lot of chinks, but that kind of like was the final blow to be like, okay, I don't know that this is true. And I'm kind of starting to believe that it's not. Hmm. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. And I can, man, that's great. Gr- uh, I mean, yeah. I don't want to say that's great, but I, I definitely <laughs> can, I could, I definitely can see that. Like, cause I mean, if you think about what you're saying, it's like, because even we had, there's a guy who I, who's going to be in this, who I just filmed, who I just recorded stuff. I mean, he was my roommate. He was my roommate sophomore year. He took an introduction to Bible class, learned the same stuff that we all learned in that class. And yeah. that kind of started his deconstruction yeah. in some ways because yeah. his, and his thing was like oh there's the apocrypha why weren't these included in yeah. the bible and that was yeah. a huge thing finding the the process by which they decided what would go in in the bible like it was so arbitrary <laughs> there was you know like there were mm-hmm. all sorts of and and knowing and you know since since that time i've also watched a a shit ton of documentaries about like how the Bible came to be um but like just knowing how many different sects were out there and they all believed very different things Mm -hmm. and like the fact that really Christianity survived in order to keep uh, a people's suppressed (laughs) because Mm. of Constantine like that's also very Oh, don't get me started with Constantine. <laughs> don't get me started with Constantine. I know. But, I know, right? Like, he was a real, he was an asshole, man. <laughs> he was a you jerk. said it, not me. Fuck that dude. I have no respect for the dead. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and I can see how, like, A, you're learning all this stuff that's kind of, you know, putting cracks in the armor. Then you have stuff going back at your home church, you know, the yeah. place where you felt a good sense of community, a Christian community. Yeah. And then you're taking another class. And again, it's like, okay, well, you know, old Testament. Eh, okay. You know, I can deal with that. And new, some of the new Testament. Okay. And then it's like the gospels, Christology and yeah. learning about that. And you're just like, okay, now yeah. what do I do with all this new information and how do I, and again, like you said at the very beginning, very analytical, very trying to process everything that you're trying to asking questions. Cause there's a lot of things that just don't make sense. And now you're finding out like, Oh, there's a whole historical, historical way of things done. And there's history about all this stuff. It's like, a was I lied to? Mm-hmm. And I think even, and I kind of the question I always go back to, cause again, I think that was shocking for me too, learning all this stuff. I'm like, why didn't I learn this in church? Like, yeah. why, how come I wasn't taught this? And then there's a part of me that goes, well, probably because 
maybe they didn't know or because you know just a volunteer who doesn't have a formal background education in youth ministry or whatnot so they probably don't know any of this stuff or they went to a school that they didn't really teach like and i think that's one thing i will say great about anderson university is they really want to make sure that hey we're going to throw some challenges at you we're going to kind of shake you up a little bit because at the same time they want to say well you know if you really are going to believe this stuff we want to make sure you believe look at all the history and look at all the process and things that have happened throughout the ages of Christianity and kind of say, okay, is this something that you're going to still say you believe, or maybe it helped you grow in your faith? Or, and sometimes, you know, I've had some people who's left AU because it wasn't Christian enough. And is it because it was, was it because it wasn't Christian enough or is it because it started to kind of shatter your bubble that you were in for right. I mean, X there amount was- of years? There was a point actually when I was having conversation with my parents about the stuff that I was learning and my dad like flipped out and he was like, what am I paying all this money to send you to this private Christian school for if it's just going to make you a pagan? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you're going to a Christian school to become a pagan. Yeah, basically. But, like I, I, that, you know, I started yeah. questioning my faith at this Christian university and my dad like was like what's the point then and 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 in some ways i get that too because i mean if if you like you said like he was a big spiritualist and 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 everything else and maybe he and maybe there's some stuff he doesn't want to talk about because maybe there's some crazy stuff that went down that he does not want to talk about well and maybe very recently informed me that i should never go to a seance so there's that. <laughs> oh, well, believe me, I don't want to go to one. I don't even want to play with I, know, I know. I don't know where he got the idea that I wanted to, but we were having a conversation randomly. And he was like, have you ever been to a seance? And I was like, no. And he was like, don't. I was like, okay, dad. I watch enough horror movies that I know not to go to a this. seance. I just want to know, like, because he, he did, that's what he grew up doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, from, so after AU, how did this kind of this cracks in the armor how did that continue to progress after your time at uh at au um so i moved to la like directly after graduating um and you know all of a sudden my i went from my field of vision of the world being from like you know three inches wide to being like 360 degrees Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I just hundred percent mixed my metaphors and I don't particularly care, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. And I already kind of was like, I don't really, I don't know what I believe, but I don't think this is it. Mm. Um, which by the way is where I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I come out to LA, I'm introduced to a lot more people with a lot of different beliefs my own family uh because i i moved in with an aunt who lived out here mm-hmm. um her and her you know my two cousins and uh they didn't really believe it and you know and also at the time um i was coming to terms with the fact that i'm bisexual mm. um which this is officially the most public time i've ever mentioned that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and like looking back at the things that were taught, um, I mean, I was so young when we were in Houston and I went to that Southern Baptist church. I don't remember any sermons on that, but I definitely remember sermons about that 
um, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I remember chapels about that at AU. Yeah. And, you know, I remember like in high school, like praying for this to be taken away from me and it never was. And like looking back on my life, like looking at how I was as an, uh, even an elementary school student, I firm, like looking back, I'm like, I totally had a crush on that girl. Mm. And I didn't, as, as someone who like was never presented with that as an idea of a way to be in the world, I didn't recognize it for what it was. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. And so like coming to terms with, with that and with the way that the vast majority, uh, at least what I perceived as the vast majority of Christians at the time, how they saw that and knowing that there's, I can't do anything about this. This is part of who I am and learning to accept that and be proud of it, which is still a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm at, I'm not out to my parents, for example. Mm. Um, it's just been like, like how can I condone this way of being in the world that does like legitimate, very like profound harm to people who are like me. Mm. So that, um, that kind of sealed the deal. Although I will say there is like this one church in Hollywood that has this sign that like, and also prop eight happened. Like, I don't, so to give a little background, um, California legalized marriage. And then there was uh, a group of citizens who put forth proposition eight, which was a proposition to take away the right to marriage Mm -hmm. for um, homosexual couples. And the problem was the way that it was phrased on the ballot, it seemed like to be for prop eight was to be for gay marriage. And so it ended up passing which was a huge victory to a lot of Christian people, including my parents. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it, it was, I don't, I firmly believe that if it had been phrased better and more clearly on the ballot, I don't think it would have passed at all. It eventually got overturned. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, my whole point was that, you know, w- when I moved out to LA prop eight was, was just happening. Um, and there was this church in Hollywood that had this huge sign that was like no hate. And the, the eight part of hate was, an, was an eight to be like, no on proposition eight, basically mm-hmm. and that really, um, that, uh, salvaged my faith in, in some Christian communities. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I will say that I will say that. Um, but in my experience, at least up until that point, those kinds of Christians were outliers. Those were not the norm. Those were the anomaly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fascinating that you, you say all this because it's almost like, and I think we, we, it's, it's almost like, especially, you know, you talk about moving down to LA. I still remember the whole proposition eight thing and, and all that stuff. But then I can even think about like now, like even, even just yesterday, we had my 20 year high school reunion. And I was talking to a buddy of mine who, I haven't seen, you know, since graduation and he lives all the way down in Georgia and we were talking about stuff. And he even said, you know, he thought about going to church on Sunday to the church he grew up in and just see how much 
you know, things haven't changed, you know, and we were talking about stuff and he just said, you know, I just feel like over the last couple of years for him, just probably the last two years, two to three years, he just felt like that even in what he's been witnessing and what he's been seeing that Christianity, the church, just that culture and that community has just rubbed him the wrong way just by how they've responded and acted to certain things, both on a social level, on a uh, political level. And, and even, and I think even sometimes within a church level too, just thinking like, Oh, like, how do you deal with some of the, you know, especially with the SBC, like how, with all the scandals and the sexual misconduct and the abuse, like, and how they've handled that for years. And I think it was actually, I think it was actually in Texas where there was two newspapers that kind of exposed it and blew it wide open, which kind of caused this huge thing that they had to deal with in the last couple of years. And how do we deal with victims and deal with this mess and all this cover up that had happened for, you know, years. Yeah, and that's the problem is when you start putting the organization over the people, then it becomes really hard to want to go back. Mm. And like, and and like to this day, like my, you know, my nephew is gay, um, and my parents love him, obviously, but like, they like my dad still says like really hurtful things, mm. just not thinking about it, but like you you treat. If you, when you treat people like that, you know, that doesn't help me want to be part of that community again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I get that. And I get that from both a, like, even now, like I've been, some of my teens at the church that I used to pastor at, they got me hooked on TikTok and I'm like, yeah, I don't oh. need another app. And then I'm, I'm like, yeah, I think man. that's like my new obsession now. Like, no. it, I know. I, do. <laughs> I don't do, I don't do anything. I just watch stuff. But then I've been watching like these videos of pastors and even people who were, you know, worship leaders and stuff who are now completely like absolutely done with mm. the church. I mean, one guy, he recently resigned from his church and he just said, you know, the reason why I resigned is because I just can't sit silent on some of these issues and me speaking out against it has not only been throwing flack at me, but then it's also been throwing flack at my congregation as well. Yeah. And he did. And I think for him, it was like, not necessarily that, Oh, my congregation is bad and they're not allowing me to speak, but it's more of like, I don't want to continue to have my platform on social media where I feel like I'm speaking truth about certain, some things that are happening. And all of a sudden the blowback is coming not only to me, but the people that I'm the pastoring at. So in order to kind of still feel like that I can say what I need to say that I think is truthful, I'm going to have to resign. And he just recently, I just saw that, you know, he's starting like kind of like a online church thing through YouTube. And it's just for people to ask questions and talk about stuff. And I'm like, Hey, good for you. You know, (laughs) it is, but yeah. And I I get that. It is It's It's hard to leave that community. It is. It's hard to leave the community. And it's also, but I think in some cases, I think the hardness of why it's is not basically leaving the church. It's leaving a place where you once felt Mm -hmm. a sense of community, 
Yep. Especially when you begin to read the Bible on what the church should be, when you look at Acts 2.42, or even how what Paul describes and throughout his epistles of what the church should be and how the church should act. It's like, oh, yeah, we're doing it. And then, and then when, you're really not. You and then you're out. really not because then all yeah. this stuff comes up to the, all this stuff, all this ugliness starts come, rising up to the surface yeah. and you start to see, ooh, maybe this isn't the thing that I thought it was, or maybe it was. And then all of a sudden when push came to shove, everyone's choosing, you know, everyone's choosing Caesar or they're choosing Constantine or they're choosing the institution instead of the actual people that the church is called to serve and to make disciples for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned, so you kind of mentioned that you're still kind of done with church, but you do see some churches that the anomalies that are kind of salvaging things. So kind of where do you, would you say you're at now as far as, are you still kind of like I'm done or is there still like maybe a little spark of hope that, you know, maybe there's still something to this Christianity thing and it's just hard to try to find that, that diamond in the rough. (laughs) Um, I think the most recent that I actually tried to go back to church was about five years ago um six five or six years ago i haven't really even attempted to go back since then Mm. um there's this church here in la that i don't want to name because it's it's a pretty big community of you know and Mm -hmm. and i don't even think i think it's almost like a chain church you know it's like a chain (laughs) i think i think that there are other like so it's like a church plant like a franchise. Like a I think franchise. there's other franchises of this church in places other than LA, but I went. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love the chain and franchise. Dude, I'm it's, not it's, even it's kidding. Like, I really think it's kind of like the thing, but like it's in the middle of Hollywood in the most expensive possible place it could be. Um, and I went there because I, I'd heard such good things about it. And it was like being at a rock concert. It was like they had these like programmable, like color changing, movable lights and like, like, and I'm sitting there going like, there are starving people all over the world. In this community, there are starving people and you're spending millions of dollars on, on being in this location and putting on these shows and then it, it just so happened that the day that I, and I like this, I mean, I, I don't know what I believe in terms of like signs from the universe or whatever, but like the, the coincidence of this is cat, like catastrophic, I would say. <laughs> and that I, I went there. It happened to be that the day that I attended was the day that they were trying to raise funds for their entire rent for the year. Wait, what? Yes. So like, they're like our goal of like, whatever it was. And I don't remember now what it was. It was some astronomical number that is no church has any business spending that much money on real estate. Um, And I'm just like, I, how am I supposed to like come back to this? You know, when like, there's literally a homeless encampment across the street from you. Yeah. It makes it hard, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the fact that they have to do a capital campaign, which I guess is the church, a capital campaign to pay rent for the year. Yes. 
Yeah. And, and not only that, really but I'm assuming, but I'm assuming in Hollywood, it's, it wasn't like, oh, it's like, you know, $20,000. It's probably more like $20 million for rent. Yeah. I would be surprised if it was any less than that, actually. Yeah. And it's, it's just, not a small space and it's literally in the middle of Hollywood. That's, that's insane. Uh, I, I, I'm speechless. I know, I know, right? And I get, I get like the mindset behind is like, oh, we've got to be here because this is where the people are that need us and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I kind of get that. But at the same time, it's like that money could be spent doing so many other useful things. Like part of the whole thing that churches get tax exempt status for is so they can do good for the community. If you're not doing good for the community, then what are you doing? And, And what, and what, I guess, like, what do you mean when you say, you know, we need to be here because this is the pe- because the people need us. Like, like, are they trying to, is it because mostly everybody who goes to that church lives in the vicinity or is it more of, we want to minister to those. Like we've learned in AU, you know, actors were kind of, if there is a fire in the theater, actors are going to burn because actors have no souls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it because we need to save those heathen actors in Hollywood? Like, like, no, I don't think the churches here in LA have that mentality. But yeah, I definitely encountered that when I was in the Midwest. I encountered Oh that. yeah. <laughs> and when I when I go back sometimes I encounter it. Um Oh wow. I know it's ridiculous. Um but <laughs> no, I don't think they I think I mean a lot of a lot of a lot of actors were members of that church. So I don't okay. think that they believed that at all um i think it was a matter of like ministering to the community and it's you know it's you know i say it's in the middle of hollywood it's really more like west hollywood um Mm -hmm. which is by far the more populated area like that's where people go like no one really hangs out in hollywood in case anyone's interested like hollywood is not cool (laughs) like it's really not it um it's just where the tourists go um yeah <laughs> but like you don't want to live there oh goodness but, wow but I, think it was, I think it's more like i think it's supposed to be more like that but like also it's just like that's such a well-to-do area you could get space elsewhere and pay significantly less and put that savings put those savings towards i mean look the homeless problem in la has always been like great like crazy mm-hmm. and it's getting so much worse like with covid and everything and i just keep thinking about how you know how much good that money could have done yeah and and it's it's very fascinating because i can remember geez 2000 i think it was 2000 i'm going way back in time now but i remember yeah, doing emissions i was doing a missions thing for in in orlando and there is a, a chain of hotels that were closed down that they, you know, and I remember we were going in there because what uh, there's a nonprofit organization that bought these hotels up and refurbished them so that the homeless could live in them. That's amazing. They could live in them. And like each hotel room had like a refrigerator, a microwave. And what they would do is they would give them like cleaning supplies. So they clean up, they would help them find jobs. And then what they would do is when they would work and they would get their paycheck, it would come to them. They would take the paycheck and they would kind of help them do financial planning. And then they would create a banking account for them. And then by the time they hit like a certain I don't know if it was like a certain amount or if they felt like that they were good and they kind of got a good tie of handling their money, all the money that they kind of helped put in savings for them, they would say, okay, 
here's your banking account. Here's you go. And we are going to help you find an apartment. And they would hook them up with an apartment that worked within their budget. And then they would kind of no longer be homeless. Oh my God. I did. And I, and, and, and I remember I went over there and painted stuff. I don't know if it's still, I don't know if it's still there anymore, but I, I, I remember so. hearing that. And I was like, that's great. Yeah. I think that's so great. And I think that's so fantastic. And I feel like that would be something where instead of paying for a bunch of fog and light. Yes, exactly. And I'm not, I mean, look like a lot of people who went to that church were like very, very wealthy people. So I'm sure they donated a lot of those, like that, a lot of that equipment, but yeah still you could sell it and then you have the money and then use that that's the kind of thing I, and yeah that if, if i were to find a church that like that was their thing i might be willing to i probably wouldn't go but i would donate money to it yeah like i donate money to this um this place in la called covenant house is it covenant house it's covenant something i think it's covenant house and they um they take in homeless youth mm-hmm. um which by the way, at least in LA, the homeless youth tend to be transsexual or transgender because they get kicked out of their houses. So like, hmm. it's, and, that, and I, I think in my Midwestern mind and, you know, now Southern mind, I guess, but you know, you think of a place like California and you would think that's a place that's very progressive. And just you here saying a lot of the homeless youth are LBGTQIA plus kids because they're getting kicked out of their homes it, it, it seems to be like wow that's shocking to me because i would think that would be the opposite i would find that more happening in indiana and ohio than i would in california but i guess that's not the case well i mean i think there are conservative people everywhere yeah. um, and definitely la um the, the the metropolitan areas in california very much are very progressive um in comparison to the surrounding areas that are more rural mm. but um you know conservative people live everywhere like i said but also i think a lot of the kids come to la from other places mm. um and and just south of la county is orange county which is tends to be a lot more conservative a mm. lot less progressive so i'm sure that a lot of those kids come from from that area as well hoping yeah. that they'll find a better life in LA. Yeah, definitely. And this, this Covenant House does like really great work. Like they 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 do actually like find places for these kids to live after they graduate and stuff. So it's it's a really good um a really good I guess ministry is the best word for it. Mm -hmm. uh, a really good organization. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Veronica, like I'm aware it's not like it's not like affiliated with any sort of religious organization mm. or anything. Yeah, great. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm 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 very intrigued. I know more about you now <laughs> than I did before. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me and being on this uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. And guys, again, for those of you who are listening, thank you so much. Um, again, try to give us a five-star review. Give me, or I guess me, it's just my podcast. No one else is on here except me. But just Although go ahead and give us. Give me a five-star just randomly. I won't say no. <laughs> <laughs> But go ahead and give like a five-star rating and a review that will help other people find like-minded content. Um, again, I thank you that for listening to the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And I'll be back next week with a, another uh, deconstruction episode. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. 
All right, and that is it.